0: Welcome to the Deborah Unfiltered Podcast. We are your hosts, our Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anafi Butner. We are here to engage, educate, and hopefully
1: empower you. Today's episode is going to be a short but fun one because the topic is thought provoking questions. So, Dr. Nafi, I'm going to pass it on to you to get us started. On what these questions are, I have no idea, guys. I'm hearing them for the first time, as you all are. And, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm ready. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we're
0: going to keep it really fun. But um, just some of the questions about maybe, I guess, more to learn about ourselves pretty much is what this is going to be about. Mm-hmm. So let me throw the first question at you, Anna. Okay. So first, First question is, what was your biggest lesson from your worst breakup? What did you learn as a takeaway from your worst
1: breakup? You're gonna start with a hard one like that? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Do you want me to make it easier? Let's back up. Let's back up. We could. Right now, I'm, I'm missing our Mary, as you guys know. Our Mary is not on this recording because uh, she wasn't able to join us this time around. We but you, I, Ella. she was here so that you could throw it to her first,
0: right? <laughs> That way you can think about your answers. Okay, but no, no, no. Got it.
1: I think I can handle it. Okay. So, what was my biggest lesson, lesson. learned yeah. from my breakup? Yeah. Oh, okay, when I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is: don't marry a fuller guy from Guinea Conakry. Okay, no, I'm. I'm <Stop>. Okay. Um, So my biggest lesson learned is when it comes to relationships, especially when it gets to the stage where it's serious and you want to get married, please consider the fact that it's not just about you and the individual, especially when you're getting into cultured relationships like African marriages. What I learned from my biggest breakup, which was my first divorce. Um, I married young and um, I married a man from Guinea Conakry who grew up in the US in Washington, DC. And I was um, you know, raised in Silver Spring, Maryland. So we had a lot in common. However, our families were drastically different. Um, I came from a, I come from an educated background. Both my parents have master's degrees. Um, you know, they're very well exposed, um, intellects. And he came from a background where his dad was a chef and his mom was a hair braider. And I know this might sound controversial, like, oh, like, you know, if you come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, you can't intermarry. No, that's not what I'm saying, but just pay attention to the different family dynamics and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and family norms, because I feel like that was our biggest issue because he was coming from a background where the mom was, had a tight hold on everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, she was matriarch and she was kind of like, you know, when her children made it meant she made it. Um, so she was very much you know, into how much they were making, what they where they were working, you know, so if the wives get something, it's like, where's hers? So it's almost mm-hmm. like you being a comp- competitor for her and it felt like there was a first wife. Everybody, all the brothers, the first wife was the bomb and then came the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, yeah, the biggest lesson I learned was, you know, making sure that the family matches as much as him and I were a match. And I feel like I accomplished that in my second marriage. I was very particular about like, what's your background? Where do you come from? A lot of inferiority complex and and comparisons come in where, you know, like the hair braider mom thinks, oh, your mom works for the World Bank. She thinks she's all that. My mom never thought she was all that. This was Mm -hmm. you projecting onto her, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, then the mothers couldn't really click, you know, the mothers couldn't really be friends. So Mm. definitely taking the time to make sure that you understand the family background that the partner you're with is coming from. And Mm -hmm. if that's going to fit with your family.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. I agree with that. You know, um yeah when whenever we talk about oh you know marry within your class or marry within somebody who you have something similar with you know yeah people do frown upon that you know that oh you you, you know that what you're saying is mostly like financial level but it ne- it doesn't necessarily mean that so i totally get what you're talking about cuz there can be a difference sometimes and a big gap that that's pretty hard to close Mm -hmm. for two people that come from really, really uh, different backgrounds. So I totally, I totally, um, I agree with you on that. Um, Oh gosh. I, so it's my turn to answer. I, what is the biggest lesson from the worst breakup that I've had? Okay. Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, this might not, this might sound surprising to a lot of people. I have not gone through a lot of breakups. Because I was very, um, I dated, but I didn't like. I've only had, I believe, three serious relationships in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And out of these, one of out of these three, um, I married one. Mm-hmm. So I would say, oh, the lesson is you cannot change the other person; they mm-hmm. are who they are right? Mm-hmm. And looking back on one of the guys that I dated, I guess the longest, and it's not that we had a bad breakup because it was uh, amicable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, we grew apart is what it is. Like I've known him for such a long time before we even decided to date. Um, we went to high school together, so we were friends. Mm-hmm. And um, when we decided to date, I knew that he was in Muslim, right? And so for me, as a young, you know, person, I've always thought, oh, that difference wouldn't be a big deal. We could work through that. He can be Muslim, you know. And and him and I have had a conversation about that, and he Mm -hmm. was open to be becoming Muslim. And I think simply because he just wanted to be with me. And so he was okay or agreeable to, oh yeah, I can be Muslim. But after a few years of dating somebody, you learn that I can't change this person. He is who he is. He's not, I want to be with them, but he's not um, the person that I want them to become. So one thing I learned is we cannot change people. Like we have this notion as women, especially that we could change our men, right? You, you, you marry somebody who's abusive and in your mind and automatically you're like, I can change him. I can help him, you know, become a better person. We love projects, us women.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure do. And it gets us in trouble.
0: <laughs> right? And so I think my biggest takeaway is that you can't change a person, you know, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you want to be with them, the mm-hmm. change ultimately lies on this person. And if they're not willing to do it on their own, there's no way that the relationship is going to work out. And so for me, I would say that the reason I I categorize this person as the worst breakup, it's because he was my friend first. So we had a, a really good friendship that ended up not surviving after we broke up. And it wasn't like he cheated on me. It wasn't like, you know, like it wasn't anything like that. It was just like, you know, after several years of being together, I don't really think that this is going to work. And uh, and then so his reaction was, if we can't be together, then I can't, I don't even want to have any friendships with you because it's difficult for me to just remain friends with you now, right? And so Mm -hmm. it ended up being no relationship at all. So we don't talk, no contacts, nothing for like over a decade. We don't even speak. Um, And, 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 and so that to me, I I think about it and it's a bit saddening to me that we lost that friendship, but I respect and understand where he's coming from, that it's not going to be a healthy relationship for him to continue being my friend while I'm, I'm I'm in a relationship with somebody else. That's not going to make him happy. And he's going to feel miserable being in that dynamic. And I totally respect that. Um, But yeah, that's my biggest takeaway that you can't change a person no matter how much you try. People are who they are.
1: Um, Listen, I'm I'm with your ex on that. I am the same way. When we break up, it's sayonara. See you later. Wish you all the best. I don't ever want to have a conversation, a text, a video call. Like no. I don't keep in touch with my exes. I don't know where they're at and I don't <laughs> give a name. And I, it's the same with my husband. Like exes are dead to you, okay? There's no, we don't keep in touch with exes. And right. so I get that, I get that like, you know, cause yeah. sometimes it's the feelings you can't get over. And for yeah. me, I just feel like, ah, it's the past, you know, let's just start fresh and keep it pushing.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I agree with that. What was your saying
1: again about two? That you mean, Ante? You mean, Ante? You mean, Ante? You mean, Ante? You mean, I'm just saying. If y'all have had any intimate relationship before, like, you can't be friends with my husband. It's a no no for me. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, that is so true. I always think about that
0: and I laugh so hard.
1: <laughs> Listen, a quick story. I remember um, when we were moving to Gambia, my husband was like, all right, so we're moving to Gambia, like this is your country. So I just want you to like, you know, let me know who are the niggas you've been with. So I know like how to show up in front of them, right. you know, when we get there. Cause he was like, yeah, I want to know like, who knows what your insides look like and <laughs> oh, un- God. yeah. And unfortunately for me, when we moved to Gambia, there was only one Gambian guy that I had been intimate with. Yes. In, in my, in my college days. And, um, he was, you know, he was not mentally there anymore. So yeah. yeah, so he was kind of like at home on medication. So we never really ran into him anywhere, okay. but yeah, but I, I did tell him like, yeah, there's one guy and yeah, he's, we just never ran into him and he's sick. So that was oh, that. But I also sure get that couples being like, you know, okay, we're going into this situation or this community, you know, to, to live there. Like, I want to know, like when you introduce me, Hey, this is my friend, Pa. Like, are you on par just friends, or did y'all have something? (laughs) Because you know, because guys will look at you funny. You know, like, hey, Navi, and you're like, okay. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So next question. I'm ready. All right.
0: So next question is, do you believe in soulmates? And if you do, have you met yours?
1: Yes. Yes. I believe in soulmates uh-huh. and I believe that, um, you can have more than one. Um, oh. yes, I, I do believe that. For example, I feel like my daughter's my soulmate. Oh. Yes. I feel like, like, and so many things happen throughout our life that it just, Further confirms it for me, and and validates it, and solidifies it over and over again that my daughter's my soulmate. I love mm-hmm. my son; he's amazing. He's the sweetest, most kindest, awesome boy I know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think my son is my soulmate. But I I know my daughter is my soulmate, and um, my husband. I feel like my husband is my soulmate. And mm-hmm. funny enough, you know, throughout my dating history, I never really met another guy that I felt like this person is my soulmate mm-hmm. you know cuz sometimes you can be like yes my ex boyfriend from high school was definitely my soulmate i don't have that but mm-hmm. i definitely feel like my my daughter and my son are my soulmates like we connect on levels that is like sometimes freaky scary yeah. but because i'm so spiritual like i receive it and i and yeah. i understand it for myself so yeah right. what wow, about you
0: that's interesting because you know when you just When I asked you, and the first person you said was that your daughter, because a lot of people feel like, or maybe when you say, you know, um, who's your soulmate, they automatically think romantic, right? Right. right. Soulmates, I've come to learn, does not have to be romantic, Uh right? It's just, a relationship with somebody who just totally, absolutely understands you at levels that not everybody else does. Yes. And so I totally receive that because I would say that my really good friend, I would consider her my soulmate as well, just just because we understand each other so well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, My husband too, though like we 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 do connect on a different level I connect with him a lot more I would say than I have with like the guys that I've dated in the past mm-hmm. you know and so I would consider him my soulmate I guess I guess people who are married and divorced and then married again would you then say that they've had multiple soulmates or depending on where you are in your
1: life like would you i don't i wonder about that because because i mean do... you know like you you hear people say yeah my ex-husband was my soulmate mm-hmm. but and then it's like in the past so for me that makes it i don't know was he your soulmate or were you just really in love because i feel mm. like yeah the soulmate tie the soul ties i feel like they're unbreakable like because some of the things that you're like, okay, but how do you know someone is your soulmate? Mm-hmm. Being you just feel like you're home. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter in the world, as long as I'm with my husband, I'm yeah. home. Like, yeah. You could in Mars and it's yeah. like, yeah, I feel safe with him. And then like we balance each other out. Like, for example, my daughter and I, like I am the opal mom and my daughter's a conservative <laughs> child. And it's like, but it worked for us. Like we yeah. balance each other out. And then, you know, like we totally just, we get each other. And as we grow and she grows, we learn from each other. I learn from her. She learns from me. So I don't know. I guess if you've been married before and remarry could you consider your ex-husband your soulmate? Right. But then if it's right. in the past tense, or do you feel like they're still your soulmate even though you're no longer married? That's- so, well, then let me ask this question. And this is soulmate
0: as in like in a romantic sense. Okay. We come from a community where there's poly- like polygamy. So right. what a sister's trying to find out is if a man has three wives, are you telling me he has three soulmates at the same time? Is what I'm trying to find
1: out. I mean, I think they can have. We already established you can have more than one soulmate, right? Yes. So, well, no, I mean, romantically, 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 you can have
0: more than one soulmate in mm-hmm. general, but mm-hmm. meaning non-romantically link- linked soulmates, like an old friend that just understands you, like your mom, like you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Type of case with your daughter, oh, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about romantically, right? You know how people are married to somebody else, are married to one person, uh-huh. and then they then go marry a second person, as in our culture, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: is that possible to have more than one romantic soulmate, do you think? Or is that what leads people to cheat? Right. They think, they think that they found now a second new soulmate. <laughs> Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Do tell, girl. I, so All our listeners, yeah, you know, write on our Facebook, Debo Unfiltered, and let us know what you think. Do you truly think that you, a person, and this is specifically, we're talking about romantic soulmates. Do you think that people can have more than one soulmate? And is that why people, I can tell you straight up, in Gambia, it's not about soulmate, why people are marrying two, three, four wives. It has nothing to do with soulmate. It has just to do with lust. Yes, you know what I mean? Sure. That's mainly what it is. So, um, But yeah, I, I, I wonder if there
1: can be more than one romantic soulmate at yes. the same time. Yes. I want to say yes to that. I think you can have more than one romantic soulmate. Yes. Because if you can have multiple soulmates... Um, mm-hmm. Why can't you have multiple romantic soulmates? But I do know that a lot of polygamous, you know, relationships and marriages, you'll find the husband has affinity to like one particular wife that's like their soulmate more than the rest, you know, like where mm. feel like it's the that relationship it, the with that particular wife, it's more passionate and, you know, like they, they love to watch each other grow and they're not judgmental of each other. And they have like a level of patience and grace for each other that you're like, I don't understand. Like, how can mm-hmm. you, be, but you don't need to understand They're soulmates. They get it, you know? So, yeah. That's actually okay. interesting. That's-
0: so, yeah, definitely do let us know listeners what your thoughts are on that. Um, so I have another question for you. Uh, what's something that you used to believe about relationships, but no longer do.
1: Huh. Um. I used to believe that... Do you want to think
0: about it while I oh,
1: answer no, no. do you? I got this. Oh. Um... Go <laughs> ahead, girl. I used to believe that when you find your person, you're supposed to stay together till death do you part. That's like mm-hmm. what I used to think about relationships. That marriage now, is always forever. Right. Now, I think that And that doesn't
0: mean the love Sorry, is. Sorry, you, you just yeah. got caught off for a second. I couldn't hear you. You said yeah. now
1: you, you think what? Now I think you can find your, your happily ever after. And your happily ever after can be 10 years or 12 years with that person or 15 or five. Mm. And then there's a new like connection with somebody else. But the idea I used to ha- hold that like once you found your person, you're supposed to persevere to ev- through everything and stay together until the day you bury each other. Mm-hmm. I don't have that belief anymore. And I'm in a loving, healthy marriage. I love yes. my husband, like to the moon and back. But I feel like, yeah, if our time expired, it's okay. Wow. That's, wow. That's
0: amazing. Because you know what? I don't think that you're alone. I think a lot of people... Uh, have that belief or used to have that belief, right? Especially in, um you know, like uh the generations before us, they would all say marriage is forever, oh you know, through God. thick and thin, through you getting your jaw busted, your eyes popped out, you still stay in a relationship because that's what it was supposed to be, like last forever. Oh um, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of people uh, will agree with you on that, that, you know, that's, that's a common belief that, that people do carry. So, okay. So you're saying a relationship now lasts as long as it lasts and we move on. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. What that's about the, you? I know totally. <laughs> the thing is, hey, Anna. Anna. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let let me turn around and make sure my husband's not in this room. (laughs) Let's hear it, Navi. (laughs) No, you know, and this also brings us back to the thought of can a person have multiple soulmates? Meaning you have a soulmate that, you know, the relationship runs its course. And maybe you have a different soulmate because you're at a different point in your life. You require different things. Your needs emotionally, mentally, physically are different. And so you require a different type of soulmate. So I do, in that sense, I believe that people can have multiple um, soulmates as they grow. They may not necessarily have the same soulmate. The same person they married at 22 might not be their soulmate at 50. You know, I believe that. I definitely do believe that. It may, it may not. So and if it doesn't, if it's not your soulmate at 50... It's understandable that relationships expire and you move on and you may find another person that you are more um, in tune with, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, moving forward. So yes, I do believe that for sure. I would say for me, something that I used to believe about a relationship but don't anymore is that once that is that um, it's your job to make your spouse happy. Like oh, you, happy. you you know what I mean? like mm-hmm. we always have this or i did understanding that if you're in a marriage you know you make your your spouse happy your the happiness your spouse happiness depended on you mm-hmm. right and i come to learn as i get older that that's actually not true like you know when i when like your husband says you know you're supposed to be making me happy and i'm not happy so right. Whether you're, you know, your spouse's happiness, I've come to learn, it's it depends on them. It's their own responsibility. It is mm-hmm. not yours. Mm-hmm. And that just goes for everybody. Nobody else's happiness should depend on you. And right. that's something that, yeah, that's something that personally... It is their own responsibility to do. If you're in a relationship and you are happy with this other person, that's fine and good. But you don't tell the person, it's your job to make me happy and I am not, you know, like I'm not a happy person at this point. And, And I used to think that it's our jobs to make our spouses happy, you know, like if they're not happy, we need to work at it better to make it work, right? And so I've come to find out that's not true you know, it, you should not take up the responsibility of making the other person happy. That's totally on up to them to yeah. make themselves happy. So that's one thing that I used to think in a relationship, it's your job to do, but uh-huh. now to find out it's not because you cannot make other people happy.
1: Definitely not. And I and I like that one because I think that's a big one uh-huh. that will resonate with a lot of people. We all grew up for the majority yes. of us uh, feeling like, when you get in a marriage or a relationship, you're supposed to make each other happy. Or you hear people say when they're breaking up, I'm just not happy in this relationship. But it's like, are you happy with yourself? Mm. Like, because you got to bring your happy self into the relationship. Mm -hmm. You can't show up and be like, okay, I'm here now, make me happy. Like, it Mm -hmm. doesn't work like that. That's Mm -hmm. the self-work that you got to do. It's not for your spouse to do. So, yeah. And I remember um, there was a, a Red Table Talk episode where will smith was explaining that between her oh. his relationship with jada and he was saying like yeah girl go make yourself happy because he did everything to make this woman happy and it was like yeah it's just not working no matter how big the gesture you know yes, it's, yes, yeah then yes. you realize yeah it's not a me thing it's a you yeah. thing yeah go make yourself happy and then come um, back
0: <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes you can be stuck in a rut in trying to make somebody happy until you realize that this person is not happy because they're not a happy person. They have issues going on. It has nothing to do with me. Right. And so, yeah, that's definitely a good um, take home message that I learned. Um, All right. So let me ask you another question. What is one of your best qualities
1: My best quality. Okay, so automatically, I think two that I feel like really are my big best qualities. One is my energy. Like, I am that person that whenever I'm around, you feel my presence, my energy. Like, with my children and my nieces and nephews, it's like, oh my God, Auntie Boo Boo's here. Everyone Mm -hmm. calls me Auntie Boo Boo. It's like, I bring in that, like, high energy, let's dance, let's have a good time, and talk about crazy stuff, and crack everybody up, and same, like, when I'm not home, and I get home, like, my my husband and my kids will always say, oh, man, like, mommy's back, like, I have this energy I carry with me, so I feel like, and also empathy, I like, I empathize with people, I'm able to connect to their energies, Mm -hmm. and- this is a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because I feel for them. But sometimes also what happens is everybody wants to pour and download on me because Mm. I can connect with them. So sometimes it can be like daunting. Yes. Draining. Exactly. It's like, you're that person everyone feels like they could talk to you about their deep dark stuff like mm-hmm. they can be vulnerable with you and you don't tap me with a good cry because i'll cry <laughs> along with you sis. like <laughs> let's get the tears rolling <laughs> <laughs> so, <Aww. laughs> so and i'm a i'm a easy crier like i cry when i'm happy when i'm sad when i'm excited like i'm i will just let my emotions flow through yeah. me and i'm yeah. very comfortable with that but yeah, I think my my empathy and my energy would probably right. be yeah, my best traits. What about you?
0: Oh, I struggle with this one. It's the well, thing is, I I don't know. Um, I would say one thing that I noticed about me that I would say it's one of my uh, my best qualities would mm-hmm. be being down to earth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Every time I am with people, I I notice or that the expectation that they had off the bat, uh-huh. not sure if it's because they feel like, oh, you know, this person, even at work, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. People always tell me they are pleasantly surprised at how down to earth and jovial that I am. Uh-huh. Just because in some instances, I guess people feel a little intimidated when uh-huh. they see like in workplaces I would say if they see a woman who's a who's a physician right uh-huh. automatically there's you know you insinuate or certain certain uh, types of um, qualities with her uh, she may be tough she may be this she may be that but for me look, honestly you see me with somebody on the street I will sit down and have a conversation with a stranger I will start going into a dance competition with somebody I don't even know <laughs> I'm there, like we'll I'm just, that's just how I am. I, mm-hmm. I, I I have this thing about me where I like to make people feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I meet somebody somewhere, and, and even the students... That I mentor, I, I sit down with them and we start chit chatting, and I say, "Listen, like I'm just like your big sis, so let's talk about this." Let's, talk. and they feel so comfortable all of a sudden because they let their guards down and are able to communicate with me on a different level. Because I I do a lot of silly stuff. I guess being silly would also be one of the qualities. Uh, that I think it's 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 best about me is that I, I can be very very silly in making people feel comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. So I wish are- I wish we could um sorry I don't mean to cut you out I oh, wish we could okay. do a blue purse episode <laughs> uh, just so people can get some of the some of your personality like from our you know before we hit record some of the conversations yeah. that we have because I agree with you I feel like you do have a way I mean guys Dr. Nafi and I are yet to meet in person. We've no lie. we never met in person, all these years. No lie. We, like we have never laid eyes on each other, <laughs> but I feel so comfortable with yeah. Dr. Nafi. And so mm. I have to give it to you that it is true. Like you have a way of just making Aww. people feel very comfortable with you. And also because I didn't know you. And uh, when I got introduced to you, you were Dr. Nafi. I really was expecting you to show up like super serious, like I'm a doctor. And you came with all the jokes, like all the (laughs) giggles, all the laughs. And I was like, Oh my God, she's so cool. You know, so it it automatically opened me. I was open to like, just receive who you were and, and just, accept you as you present yourself so I agree with you I learned that
0: from my mom my mom's like listen like people take themselves too seriously you know like especially when I'm in Gambia and people meet me and they ask me hey how do you want me to how do you want me to address you I said Nafi's fine do you want me to call you Dr. Nafi I said nope Nafi's just fine I'm not Mm -hmm. taking the doctor with me when I die so Nafi's fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the bottom line uh, it is I'm very very I'm very down to earth when it comes to that I'm not a stickler about a lot of people are would uh-huh. say hey call me doctor such and such or call me this girl bye as my yeah. mom taught me honey all of these accolades all of these titles you don't take it to the graveyard absolutely you being humble and making mm-hmm. she says when you meet people my mom told me when you meet people they may not remember a lot about you. The one thing they will remember is how you made them feel. Always
1: Absolutely. remember that. Absolutely.
0: And that's true. And that's true. And so I've always taken that with me. I don't take myself seriously at all. So if you do see me on the streets, people, and I'm acting a little
1: gray, gray, <laughs> 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 just excuse me. That's just that's just my personality, you know? That's so, just so. nothing
0: for you. I, but I, I love it. I apologize. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you another question here. Let's see. Okay. I, I got to ask you. Oh, so what attracts you to people?
1: Energy, people's energy. Um, okay. Yes, because I am very much in touch with my energy. I mm-hmm. feel like I have a good sense of people's energy. Um, and I don't let like the first experience I have of you, that energy I receive, I don't let mm-hmm. me let it define whether I'm going to pursue a relationship or not. Because I feel like sometimes people lead with that closed off energy because it's a defense mechanism. But mm-hmm. then you 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 see them in a different environment or they meet you for the second time and they open up a little bit more. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So, but okay. yeah. Definitely, I can sense people's energy. I would, I mean,
0: for me, what attracts me to people in general is just their personality,
1: uh-huh.
0: right? You know how some people are like, oh, well, for me, it's like the physical person, the body is what attracts me to some. It's just in general, whether like romantic or any other, you know, uh, situation or scenario, what attracts me to somebody is their personality. Because I've known people that you know, are beautiful people on the outside. They're gorgeous looking people, but the personality stinks, yep. you know? And those are people that I can never gel with no matter how how good looking you are, no matter how rich you are, whatever, right? If mm-hmm. your personality is not a good one, I'm not attracted to you at all. Whether it's friendship wise, rom- romantic wise, the personality for me is what it is. And one of those would be humor right you gotta mm-hmm. have humor you know like yeah you know and uh things like kindness is something that attracts me to a person when you if you're kind mm-hmm. I remembered when I was dating when I was dating my husband and then we were like walking in New York City and we saw a homeless guy and we passed him and then we my husband went backwards again and then like I didn't realize this because I kept walking and then like he dropped something in the guy's hand and then he kept. And when I saw that, that's just a random like act of kindness. Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he thought of this homeless guy as human enough, you know, to actually help him because sometimes some of those people are invisible to us. you know they're they're part you know parts of society that are invisible people walk past them every day don't even pay them attention or anything like that so just being kind and also empathy is something that attracts me to people
1: Mm -hmm. you know
0: just somebody who you know just have some humanity to you and i
1: think that's that's those are the biggest things that attract me to a person now let me just clarify that romantically Listen, mm-hmm. I like the muscles. So. Yes. That is so the physique. The, the physique. the physique. Okay. Like if we're talking like, you yeah. know, physical attraction yeah. or like romantically, not platonic, I like you know, a man's man, like yeah. a man's man. You know, like <laughs> a deep voice, and like you know, you got like that big, big energy. Not, like not, even it, if your it, dick is not physically like you know eight inches, whatever, but you carry yourself with that like listen, big, big energy. That's very sexy for me. Like I'm like, did ooh, you say ooh, eight inches?
0: Didn't we talk <laughs> about this? Didn't I tell you? Uh, didn't I tell you that an average vaginal canal is between three to four inches why are we talking about eight inch girl where you gonna put it no no i don't need the eight inch i'm just saying like (laughs) when you carry yourself like you got eight inches i'm like okay
1: (laughs) like it makes me curious to know like how many inches you really got the bde i get it i get it yes and speaking of inches did you guys see how gambia ranked like number seven in the world for men with big penis? (laughs) I was, I was pleasantly surprised. You were all like, kinds
0: of impressed?
1: Listen, I was like, my Gambian men out here like, okay. Mandingo. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why Gambian women are like, Gambian husband or nothing. Gambian husband. <laughs> Okay,
0: now, now, that's the average, honey. And you do know what average means, right? right. I,
1: that's the average. I get it. I get it. But it's we still impressive some,
0: We do have some itty bitty, teeny weeny tiny. <laughs>
1: uh-uh, we don't want none of those. Dr. Murphy, we don't want none of those. <laughs> However, just the fact that the Gambia was number seven ranked, I thought, it, and you know what? Gambia was number seven ranked, right? And Nigeria was all the way down in the bottom. But when you think of big dicks, and you know, just in general, for Africans or West Africans, you're thinking Nigerian men, but people need to rethink that. They need to start thinking Gambian men. That's right. (laughs) I am I was pleasantly surprised by that. I was like, all right, right on, my Gambian brothers are representing. Yes.
0: too funny. Oh, my We're gosh. we here oh, for you're...
1: all the big dick lamins. Yes, big dick lamins. Hold it down for the country. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about Musa? Can't let Musa be on the side. Really? We're here for all of it. Big dick Musa. Big dick <laughs> Alpha. Big dick <laughs> Kema. We're here for all of y'all. Delay.
0: <laughs> Anna. Oh, no. All right. Let's focus, girl, because you know when you and I get together... Oh all right, gosh, all right. I'm
1: ready. What, what's the next giggling.
0: question you got for us? All right, so okay, so this one's interesting. How do you express anger?
1: Oh, how do I express anger? Yeah. Um, I have a very sharp tongue. So my dad told me when I was very young, when you're upset, yeah. um do not speak because you I will help. Oh <laughs> my Lord. Like you will get some tongue lashings from me and oh, I can wow. make, yes, yes. And also I think because growing up, I was so little, Um, they mm-hmm. used to call me Lilliput, um, mm-hmm. that all I really had was my words to defend myself because mm-hmm. I will lose every physical fight because I was so little. So I learned <laughs> how to really like cut you deep with my words so um i have to say over the years i've learned not to like automatically say what i'm feeling when i'm angry because Mm -hmm. i'm gonna hurt the person so Mm. i will cry that's how like i will literally bust out in tears when i'm super mad and
0: Mm.
1: yes and then i will walk away and like i mean cry like because i really want to say a lot of hurtful right just to hold it in you have to hold it in yeah, so to hold it in, I'll do like like Ugh! like that kind of crying because yeah. I'm really angry. Yeah. So oh, that's how God. I. So, yeah.
0: I would say for me, oh, um, you know how sometimes when people are upset, they 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 don't either. They go all crazy or they're just very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I yell when I'm when I'm when I'm angry. I would yell. Like my voice, my voice will go up. My husband, it's funny because I asked him, I said, I said, when, um, how do I express anger? I asked him that. And he just, he said, uh, your facial expressions. If you're angry, he says, I can tell from the way you look. So pretty much I do not have a poker face. Okay. (laughs) So what I'm feeling will come through in my face. Like if I'm in a very uncomfortable situation publicly, uh-huh. um it, it will show like so i i don't have a oh you know maslaha kind of face like yes. where if i'm not feeling it i'm still like you know pretending uh-huh. i i don't have that so i'm very honest in the way that you, my my i carry my feelings in my face you'll see it uh-huh. Uh-huh. but more so when i'm angry i will yell like i will raise my voice i don't necessarily say bad things i don't necessarily cuss you know oh i'm a cuss I, I, I used to i'm learning listen listen i found god okay I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> it used to be different where you know you get all kinds of happy words now right
1: mm-hmm. but
0: but now i'll yell i'll scream i may say i want you know f word i want s word and then you know but I mostly I, I yell because my, my sisters tell me that, you know, my sister's like, you know, when you're angry, you just that your voice goes up, you know, you're irritated and you, you know, so I have to work on, on not being a yeller when I'm upset. But it's either I yell a lot or I shut down. OK, and not say anything. My husband, when he's angry, he'll shut down. He won't really say a lot, you uh-huh. know. And uh, But what helps me is that I am a big communicator. And I think that's what works for my relationship is that with whether it's all like with my friends, my family or my my husband, I'm a big communicator. So if something is bothering me, I okay. never I am not the type who sweeps it under the rug or just, you know, don't want to talk about it. Because some people are not very good at confrontation, not in a bad way, but they they like to avoid. You know, yeah, and so yeah. my husband's like that. My husband, if something's not going well, he likes to avoid. He does not confront, he just hopes that we all go to sleep, wake up, ill miraculously figure <laughs> itself out, which it never does. So you even know. with his own family, that's how they deal with conflict. Nobody mentions it and hopes that it it kind of goes away. Okay. With me, I like to communicate. I'm a big communicator. Mm-hmm. If something is not working out, I will always say listen, this is not working out. Let's talk about it. Let's do like, if we need to do counseling, if we need to all sit together, like I am a big proponent of that, that people need to communicate their feelings more as opposed to just keeping it inside because that's not healthy for you. So what I'm, what I'm thinking, you will know. If you're my uh-huh. friend, if you're my family, um, you will not be in, you know in the dark about how I feel about you. I am very honest in that sense. I'm, I'm pretty honest about how I feel. So, all right. So let me ask you this, because we, we, we have to close this out. We cannot just be sitting here chatting. <laughs> this, this honestly is like you and me on the phone when we're chit-chatting, right? This is yeah, pretty much also- what it is
1: i also feel like this is a fun one because uh the the audience gets to know a little bit more about you and personalities yes (laughs) it's way more revealing than i thought the questions were going to be but you know we're comfortable with being vulnerable and sharing this this is an episode where you really get to know a little bit more about dr nafi and anna but
0: exactly exactly don't hold it against us please (laughs) <laughs> All right, so listen, one of the questions I also have, and this might be our last question, really depending on the, the discussion. Okay. As, ma- as married couples, mm-hmm. should you have a regular STI testing?
1: Oh, this is my favorite because I feel like I always get pushback uh, for married what couples do you about think? this one. I mm-hmm. think that, yes, for sure, because my husband and I have been doing that for 10 years going 11 years in our marriage. When we do our physical every year, we do a whole STI, STD, AIDS Mm -hmm. testing. Mm -hmm. And we share our results with each other. Of course, nowadays, all you need to do is go into your portal and all Mm -hmm. your results are there. And you can show your spouse, your spouse can show you. Even though you don't have to, like, Um, you could just say it like, oh, baby, I did my, you know, my test and everything came out negative. That in Mm -hmm. itself is enough. But I feel like couples should definitely do STI, STD testing yearly. And this idea that, well, you shouldn't do that. You're married. Uh, You trust Mm -hmm. each other. Nobody's cheating. Why do you need Mm -hmm. to do that? that? That's a sign that somebody's being unfaithful or that you guys don't trust each other. I don't buy into that. I feel like People who react like that sometimes all nervous about it. It's like, why are you nervous?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why,
1: why are you blinking though? <laughs> why, why are you jittering? <laughs> what you know about your husband? Or oh, what you doing, girl? You know, right. so I just feel like, yeah, when people are like, well, I mean, so say, you know, like once you get married, it's done. Oh, those STD, SDI testings, it's done. And then you find women at the uh, especially in Africa where you don't make it a, a, a an annual thing, then mm-hmm. you get pregnant, you go, and they're like, oh, we did these tests, and you have this, that, and the third, and you're, you're currently pregnant, you mm-hmm. know, because I've heard a lot of stories like that, like, oh, I didn't know I had this until I got pregnant. Then the doctor mm-hmm. did a test, and the results came out. But mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear your thought. You're the doctor. <laughs>
0: right. So, I would say as you know, um, professionally, like if I'm wearing my, my doctor hat, Mm
1: -hmm. I would
0: say that, um, it's, it's, again, it's in, it's individually cased is what it is. Once you are married, um, Mm -hmm. it depends on what kind of relationship you are in. Mm -hmm. Right. And some people are married, but they have an open marriage kind of deal. Right. Some people are married, but they are not, um, faithful to each other and some in in some cases both partners do know that my husband or my wife is not um because I've caught them cheating multiple times right so you are aware but you choose to stay and work it out so in some cases the you know both uh couple realize that you know we're in a relationship but it's not monogamous I I guess if if you're in a monogamous relationship Mm-hmm. you don't need to do an every year testing. Mm-hmm. If you are in a relationship where you're not sure if mm-hmm. you are in a monogamous relationship, because sometimes, you know, especially where we come from, right? You might be monogamous, but your your partner is not.
1: Yeah, those right. one way open relationships. Right. The, exactly. It's just open on the exactly. one side and usually on the husband's side. Exactly. This side is completely open and yours right. is shut, bolted.
0: Right. Exactly. So if you're in one of those relationships, and sometimes it's not hard to, to, to figure out, right? We may Uh be in denial of if we're in a monogamous relationship, but in most cases, you do know, Uh, there's, you know, few cases where the person is completely surprised, like what, like, you know, shocked, because they were not aware that their husband or wife was cheating on them. But Uh generally, you tend to have an inkling, like there's a little thing in you that's saying, hmm, I'm not sure something else might be going on, maybe especially if, um, you know, sexually things are not the same anymore, or there's not even any intimacy going on anymore in the relationship. So you start to wonder. But again, it's an individual thing, I would advise, it's mm-hmm. not uh, a, ba- a bad idea to do it every so often. Mm-hmm. To to You know, when you go for your physical to check make sure that there's nothing there again mm-hmm. that's not because you're accusing anybody of anything and nobody should feel uncomfortable if they're not up to no good they shouldn't feel comfortable about that right if your partner yeah, were yeah. to say hey let's both get tested for stis you know i'd be like okay i'm down i'm down with that cuz there's nothing to hide here right? right right so i'll be i'll be okay doing that and generally, you're right, you know, we do test for STIs, uh, STD testing when somebody is pregnant, especially uh-huh. in the first trimester. Uh-huh. We do all kinds of screening because if you do have it, uh, we would treat you right away because STIs in pregnancy can cause a lot of, of developmental issues issues, right? And Mm -hmm, so we mm want to catch it early and treat it. That's why we generally screen everybody, whether you're monogamous or if you're, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, Mother Teresa, whoever you are, we will still screen (laughs) you on your first trimester. It's not about, you know, we're not accusing you of anything. We're just screening to make sure we catch something that needs to be caught so that tomorrow you don't have a child with some kind of developmental issues because nobody tested you uh to screen you so it's not about really the person it's about their
1: child and the child's health that's why we do it and but um, not be yeah. sorry what if um you know i want to speak to this because like you said some are in marriages where if one side is open and the other side yeah. is shut and mm-hmm. so those marriages the woman going to get herself tested and mm-hmm. the man being like well she got tested and she's clean. Therefore I'm clean. Cause it happens a lot, especially I feel like in African marriages where it's like, um, my wife went and got tested and she's fine. That means I'm fine. Or the wife getting mm-hmm. tested, but your husband is not getting tested. and He's the one that's out there. Like, right. can we also so, touch there? Right. Right. So what I would like to say,
0: and this is for like, not just the women, but our men folk also need to not be scared about testing. Right. We Uh are Every time that there's an issue, whether it's fertility issues, whether it's STI issues, most of the time there's resistance in the men folk in our community about wanting to go get tested. I'm not sure if that means that they're scared. They feel like their manhood might be in jeopardy. If, for example, you go get tested for infertility issues and then come to find out it's your side that the issue Uh lies on. So mm-hmm. most of them will have this mentality of, I would rather not know than, yeah. than live in reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we need to try to get away from that kind of thinking. You know, um, if your wife is getting tested, you should absolutely get tested as well. Now, STIs, like gonorrhea, chlamydia, and all of that, most of it is symptomatic in women. Whereas in men, it's not always symptomatic. You can have gonorrhea and chlamydia in a man, but not have a lot of symptoms or n- no symptoms at all. Uh-huh. And so so for, for, for a sexual partner to say, oh, I have no symptoms, I have no like um, vaginal, like no no vaginal or penile discharge, I have no this, I have no that, that means I'm clean, that's not true. Uh-huh. Because sometimes we can be asymptomatic, but we are infected with something. So whenever you're starting to get uh, into a new relationship and the person says to you, Oh, I don't have anything, you know, I've never had any discharges or this and this and that don't take that to mean they don't have anything. That's, that's the worst thing. Cause I'm that's, that happens a lot. A lot of new relationships. That's how they gauge themselves as clean or not is by saying, I don't have any symptoms. Therefore I am uh, free of disease. That is absolutely not true you can still be infected but not have a lot of symptoms just like covid we yes. have so many people who have covid infections but they're asymptomatic but they can still spread the disease around to somebody else right. who will then become symptomatic
1: right so
0: never trust anybody who tells you i have no symptoms oh i have no issues i've never had any itching vaginal discharge or Penile discharge or little bumps or lesions in my penis. I'm, I'm clean because I don't have that. That's not mm-hmm. how you gauge whether something is free of diseases. You have to get tested. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. people should. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in our in, in our home country, in Gambia. Yeah, I think I would love to see um, premarital STI testing be implemented, whereas Anytime, because in some states in the U.S. it is you have to do an STD testing before you get married, like uh, which you go get your license and stuff like that in the court. Some some states okay. require it, okay. not all, but yeah. some do in the U.S. I would like to see something like that implemented in the Gambia, because we live in a polygamous society. I'll say that again, yeah. and mm-hmm. in such state, that's like the disease spreads really rapidly amongst okay. people. I remember as a child, there was a family um, not too far from where we lived who had two wives and I believe ended up marrying a third wife. The, third lady, the third lady was believed to have brought or was, had, had um, HIV. The husband ended up contracting it and gave it to the first two wives as well. Two of the children born from that ended up having HIV. I'm saying this all just to say we need to test if you are a man who has one or two wives and you have a family and you're bringing another person into the mix just as a responsible person. The least you can do is make sure the new individual you're bringing does not have any diseases because it's not just your life at stake your other two wives' lives are at stake with whatever you bring or contract from this new person.
1: Absolutely. We
0: we have to not then be very nonchalant about, oh, I just met Fatu yesterday. I'm marrying Fatu today. You don't know Fatu's history. Fatu doesn't know your history. You just get married and move on. Especially if some, let's say, for example, Fatu was married to another guy. Guy got into a, you know, guy got a disease, you know, Ended up dying, right? Now uh-huh. Fatu is a, now Fatu is a single woman, right? Uh-huh. Fatu Fatu tenga here. Here swoops another man trying right. to take Fatu. You don't know if Fatu got a disease, uh-huh. right? And you marry uh-huh. Fatu and add her to your family, and that ends up being something completely, you know, like disastrous because this girl may have come with a disease. You don't Mm -hmm. know what she got. So I am very, um, I would like to definitely see that. I think we should have a conversation about that, about people needing to get tested before they marry each other.
1: Just because you
0: need to be mindful of the danger you're putting your other family members at, including your, your wives, right? Don't, it's not just about your own pleasure of, I need to marry somebody. And, and that's just my prerogative. Therefore, I make that decision. The decision should be made based on your family's uh, uh, safety as well, what you're uh-huh. bringing home. Because I doubt that any of the men who are practicing polygamy in Gambia use condoms with their wives. That's I hardly believe that, right? Yeah. And so yeah. if there's no condom use, that means we're not practicing safe sex, right? So uh-huh. you go to uh-huh. wife wife A, you go to wife B, and you go to wife C and you're picking up all kinds of shit from everybody, right? Yep. I mean, your one yep. of the wives could have trichomonas. Trichomonas is a bacterial infection that it's easily treatable, but it's sexually transmittable. So mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, you go to Fatu's house. Fatu has trichomonas. You bring trichomonas from Fatu's house, you bring it over to, to Kumba's house on, on Wednesday. Kumba has what's called bacteria vaginosis. You leave Kumba's house on Wednesday, you go to uh, Hadi's house on Friday and bring both trichomonas and bacteria vaginosis to Hadi's house on Friday. Like we don't think about that. Yes. And most of these women, because the work I do in Gambia, I see a lot of these women who come in and needing to be treated for a lot of vaginal infections. A lot. And, and these are all married women. Uh-huh. So we need to talk about it. There's like an epidemic of 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 just sexually transmitted diseases going on. But because we're married, we don't see it as a problem. You know, yeah. your wife, your husband is not just being monogamous with you. He has two other wives. And we don't know what those wives are doing also on the days that the husband is in there. That's you know? right. Mo- Modu from down the street. We don't know what your wife is doing with Modu when you're not there. That's right. So we got to be mindful about that kind of stuff, especially in a polygamous um, society to make sure that we're, we're pretty active about testing. I would say that come your, the way you test with your husband, uh-huh. that would actually be helpful for a lot of the married people in Gambia to be very um, active about uh, regular SDI testings, especially if you're in a polygamous uh, relationship. That's what I would advocate for, because uh-huh. at the end of the day, you don't know who's doing what you know, because this is a community. It's a community property. The guy is a community property. So testing regularly, I would advise a lot of the women who are in polygamous relationships to make sure that they regularly test just to protect themselves. But the downside on that is if a woman gets tested in a polygamous relationship and she has, let's say, gonorrhea Uh and she and she treats her, she gets treated for gonorrhea. Now, this is one of the questions I was going to ask after this, but How do you tell your partner that you got an STD? Because they would also need to be treated. Otherwise, if you sleep with them
1: again, you get reinfected over and over and over. Right. So how would you tell them? I have a a quick story of someone that that, um, shared with me that I know, and this was in Gambia. Um, She went to get tested and found out that she had an STD. And the doctor gave her medication, and I think the medication was supposed to be taken in a span of like ten days, like one week or two weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so when she got back, but she was very accusatory with the husband because she she was like, "I know I've been faithful in this marriage. So mm-hmm. the fact that I have an STI, I know it's because he's stepping out." So mm-hmm. she kind of came home and was like, "You know, John, you know, like you've made me sick." I just came back from the doctors and I have this disease and they gave me medication. And, um, he was like, Man yo. like I, it wasn't for me. And she was like, well, I haven't been with anybody else since I married you. I've only been with you. So what she resorted to doing the craziest thing, he still wanted to sleep with her while she <laughs> was on medication. So this girl said she started wearing jeans to bed, like <laughs> jeans, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Just she was like the, ah, like the ah. sold jeans, sold jeans, belt, jeans, <laughs> No, no, tell no, no, no. So <laughs> it's like she had to go through those legs. She would wear <laughs> jeans. Okay. For a non wall of speaking audience and put on a belt, like, and make sure it's on super tight. And that's how she would get into bed at night to stop her husband from trying to sleep with her while she was on the medication. And then after she was done with the medication, she told the husband, like, you're not going to reinfect me. You have Mm -hmm. to go get tested. Otherwise we're not going to sleep together. And Mm -hmm. she said, she continued doing, wearing her jeans every night for a whole nother week. And he was like, oh, she's really serious. So he went and got tested. Then he also got on medication. And then when he was done, like the night he was done, he was like, come on. But the <laughs> point is... <laughs> <Anna>. <laughs> but the point is that worked for her, right? And I know yeah. that's not everybody else's story. Some women mm-hmm. actually scared to tell their husbands because the husband is like, you went behind my back. You know, they make it about like, you know, oh, you're doing something sneaky instead of Mm -hmm. the fact, which is I have an STD, you gave it to me, therefore Mm -hmm. you have it too and you need to get on medication. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about STIs and STDs that you actually can get on medication and get healed. What about those that you don't? What about those that are just, you know, it becomes a terminal disease? So the ones
0: that are viral, viral uh, infections, things like HIV, HIV, Things mm-hmm. like uh, hepatitis, mm-hmm. hepatitis mm-hmm. B, hepatitis C, those are all diseases that can become chronic, right? Yeah. And yeah. people can get liver cancer from that. People can ha- get um, like uh, pr- um, permanent liver disease and die get liver failure and die from a a hepatitis infection that they had no idea that they had. Um, This is actually a story uh, from somebody that I know when I went to Gambia this last trip a few Mm -hmm. months ago where the wife came in, um, told me that um, she was positive or or, or her husband came in and told her that he was diagnosed with hepatitis. And this guy has two or three wives. Oh yeah, You can, yeah. So hepatitis, you can get it sexually. So, All of the wives had to go get tested to see if they also had hepatitis. And unfortunately, they did. And so this is the thing we need to be, you know, conversing about. Like things are spreading because of the kind of, 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 of cultural practices that we have. And nobody wants to be actively talking about the repercussions of these things, right? And so all three women ended up having it and so did the husband. You can have like herpes, right? Things like herpes. Once mm-hmm. you have herpes, you will forever have herpes. It's not it's not curable. It's yeah. treatable with medication, but it's not curable. You will always have it in your body. It may be dormant for a while. And once in a while, you may get flare-ups. Whether in the genital area, you'll get little lesions there, burning, itching. Um, or you may get it on the lips. Or you may get it on the thigh. Wherever you had the... Um, inoculation of the of the uh, of the initial infection it will always reactivate on that site so Mm -hmm. some of the some of the diseases when you get it it's for life right things like hiv is forever you're going to have it and so people need to be um, educated on that uh, just so that they're empowered especially our women folk, because honestly, they're the ones on uh, the receiving end of most of this. They're the ones in a relationship where they didn't choose to be in a, in a, in a polygamous relationship, but here they are, they're in it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them find themselves in situations where it's not necessarily their own doing and they are exposed to a lot of these diseases because of the community sharing of the husband's penis that's just Mm -hmm. what it is and so our women folk need to be mindful need to find information and empower themselves about what's out there that i can do to um help myself i don't know that there's anything out there to help prevent you if you're in a polygamous relationship, I don't know that there's anything you could do to prevent you from getting a disease. But mm-hmm. what you could do, because, right, you can't control what your husband's doing. You can't control what the other um, wives are also doing. Right. Right. On yep. their free time. You can't control that. So the best advice I would give to women who are or even men, uh, but anybody who's in a, a, a an open relationship or a polygamous relationship would be regular testing. Make sure you're always testing. Maybe it's every six months. Maybe it's every year. Make sure you're, t- depending on how many sexual um, partners you may have, if you're single and ready to mingle, whereas you're having a lot of different sexual partners because you're in a dating app, whatever, right? Um, make sure you test very often, every three to six months, every, 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 like six to um, one year. Make sure you test often so that if you do have any diseases, it's not lingering long enough to have um you know, lasting effects on you, because you can have infertility, you can have a lot of other complications from not treating a lot of these diseases that go on for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what I would, that's what I would advise a lot of people who are in those types of situations, regular testings, if you are positive, make sure you get treated and make sure you tell your partner. So now if a woman, for example, married woman, goes and gets tested on her own and she finds out that she's positive for an infection, gonorrhea or chlamydia, What do you, what? how should she tell her partner? Or should she, because some of them, what they don't realize is how they can get reinfected. Yeah. A lot of the times, the women will test, find out that they are positive and then they treat themselves. They get treated with antibiotics and mm-hmm. then they go back and sleep with the husband not realizing that you will get reinfected because your partner is still infected. You are no longer infected because you got treated. But once you sleep with an infected partner, you are now reinfected again. You are back to scoring one. A lot of people don't know that. And I think it's important that we, te- we teach that, that you taking the antibiotics alone is not enough. Your partner needs to also be treated in order to not have a reinfection situation and so when a woman gets treated quietly and then she comes back and then sleeps with her husband as if nothing happened that's just a waste of your medication because you're now reinfected
1: but exactly. how would you tell
0: you, how would you tell your partner though
1: if you First were of all, um i just want to say put on your jeans put on your belt make sure it's tight before you sit down and talk to this man <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matthew. Okay. Um, I did a whole campaign about let's normalize testing for STIs and STDs in our marriages. That's and amazing. let me tell you, I had all the uh, posters that I put on Facebook, on Instagram, and I talked about it in one of my um, episodes on, mm-hmm. on Lotus Flower podcast. And The Gambian community was so uninterested, especially because I was like, let's normalize testing before Mm -hmm. we get married. And I was calling, it was a call to action to the mothers and the fathers that before you give your daughter away to so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, make sure that Mr. So-and-so penis is not coming with a disease. And I was also targeting the, the, the parents that are so proud that their daughters have kept their virginity until marriage. You So you have raised your child to hold on to her, her virginity until she gets married, but you're throwing her into a man's house and you don't know what that man's penis has, right? So that's where I was coming from with it. Like, I was like, maybe if I focus on... The virgin, since it's such a big thing in our culture. And also like just the girls, like talk to the parents, like before you give your precious daughter away, your beautiful princess, make sure that both the princess and the man have been tested and they don't have any diseases. But I felt like it fell on deaf ears to be honest with you, Dr. Mm -hmm. Nandi. So here's my idea for um, sitting your spouse down to let your spouse know that you got tested and you you have a disease I think you should firstly figure out what your where's your spouse's comfort space is it the bedroom is it the living room is it while you're all on a walk is it on a drive mm-hmm. is it at the beach like you know your spouse so you know like like what area where does he feel the most comfortable to just talk and open up and be vulnerable take him there and then have the conversation and Here's the second thing, do not be accusatory. Do not be like, look what you done gave me. You gave me gonorrhea. Like Mm -hmm. coming at it that way, what you're gonna get back is him on defense. So the conversation is gonna be short. He's going to turn around and accuse you and it ends up being an argument. But if you're just having a conversation where it's like, here are the facts. Hey, honey, just wanted to let you know. I went to the doctor today, you know, because I wasn't feeling well, because something was blah, blah, blah. And I got tested. I was told I have this and this is the medication. And you need to get tested as well, because this means you have it since I've only been with you. You know your man. You know your husband. Figure out the words to use, but don't come at it with such like um aggression here's the other thing if you're super upset when you get this diagnosis or when you're told that you have you know an sti or std and you're upset give yourself the time to process that before you sit your husband down so that at least at least you're calm but if you're coming with all that anger it just doesn't go anywhere and if all Mm -hmm. else fails put on your jeans and put on a tight belt okay I actually, I actually had
0: a woman who told me this was in Gambia, who when I treated her for uh, an STI, um, she, I I gave her some medication to give to her husband, because I I taught her, I, I, I sat her down and counseled her that he would also need to be treated. Otherwise, you know, then she will get reinfected. And so I gave her medication for the husband. So the next day, she shows up back at my clinic in Gambia, at the free clinic, and, and, and returned the medication I gave her for her husband. I was right. confused. I said, what's going on? She said, suma, suma- mune bukaya. so my right. husband pretty much says, don't, don't play with him. He ain't taking it. So I was like, what? She says, "Yeah, my husband said he's not going to take that, but again, it's all because of ignorance. He does not realize he's he's walking with a disease. If he does not take this medication, there's implications to it. He could become yeah. infertile. He cannot have children. Among other other things, he could have yeah. right yeah. that this could cause him. So part of it is just uh, ignorance culturally, and so okay. I, I and I was and so she." Pretty much gave it back to me. And one of the nurses actually said to her, take it back, crush it, and put it in his food. She said that.
1: Oh, I didn't even Ooh. think about that.
0: But listen, y'all ain't heard it from me
1: now. I'm just saying. Listen, Natsu said put it in the gumada. Natsu said put it in <laughs> the one Put it in the ginger.
0: Huh? ginger i'm just saying yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's true i mean obviously uh, you know truth be told as a physician we shouldn't have to hide and treat somebody Uh right there needs to be a conversation an honest conversation between two consult consenting adults right that are that are sexually active unfortunately though in our con in our community that's not how things go you might be a 32 year old man oh sorry a a 32 year old woman um, married to a 70-year-old man. Why? Don't ask me. We all know the reasons why we do these things. Uh-huh. But they don't have a relationship where you can just freely say to your husband, oh, honey, I got tested, blah de blah blah They don't uh-huh. have those types of relationships, right? The husband is probably a khilifa, He has some money. His kids are sending him money from the U.S. He chose uh-huh. to go marry uh-huh. a little teeny bopper, right, because that makes him his e- feeds his ego, makes him feel better. So mm-hmm. now, if this little teeny bopper girl gets tested for some disease, she's not going to feel comfortable telling her 70-year-old husband, what, what, what are you going what, what to say? Yeah. He, okay, he's sitting in the living room. You all don't even talk, right? Yeah. You're doing your little thing on your Facebook, whatever, because you guys don't even have similar interests, first of all. Really and so true. he's in the living room listening to his Quran or whatever, and you're over there laughing your head out, you know, off from from, from like on, on TikTok, where, how are you guys going to communicate that? Chances are, if you want to have that conversation with him, you may get slapped. You may, you may not even get to continue, you know, finish that conversation because of the, the uh, reaction you're going to receive. Right. So most women will be honest and tell me, I can't tell my husband that. Right. That's what they would say. So we have to also address that some of us who live in the diaspora. It might be easy for us to have those types of honest conversations with our spouses, with our, you know, but um, with our partners in Gambia, though, that's a different story. So I'm sure when some pe- somebody listens to our podcast, let's say a, a woman in Gambia, she may be thinking, ah, it's easy for you guys to say, sit your husband down and talk yeah. about it. She's thinking, you don't know what I deal with in my household. I can't even ask my husband to go get shoes. You think I'm going to tell him I got gonorrhea? Right, right. Right. They're not. That's the honest truth. They're not. So we also have to be realistic of of our expectations of some people. So in some of those cases, it's kind of tough, especially if one of the partners is not not, um, receptive to treatment or even the idea of getting tested. The question, Mm -hmm. and that's why some of the women end up with, you know, doing extreme um, uh, things like crushing the the medication and putting it in their foods because Mm -hmm. they would rather do that than have conversation, which may lead to you are divorced. Right. Because some men will divorce you if you come at them with a sentence like, I got gonorrhea.
1: Right. automatically
0: their mind goes somewhere else that you were unfaithful to them. Not the fact that they have two other wives, but that you were doing something when they were gone. And right. that becomes a sticky situation where women don't want to put themselves in. So they rather not even discuss it. Yeah. So, but these are things we have to keep talking about, you know, like uh, engaging, right? Educating and empowering, like what we're about, right? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, trying to trying to teach uh, women folk in particular um because they're the ones who are uh, affected by by these practices in huge numbers right and so just like you said normalize try to normalize this idea it would have to take i think the younger generation saying listen i do not want to you know be with you if you have three wives and haven't gotten tested, I love myself enough to want to know what I'm getting into. I don't love, you know, what? I always tell people I love myself more than somebody, uh, more than uh, the other person. Right. So I'm not, I'm not so infatuated with you that I would rather risk my life and get HIV just because I think I like you.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And also a call to action to the parents. Like before you let your as I said, your beautiful daughters and mm-hmm. give them away to young men, older men, middle-aged men, when they're getting married, you know, without knowing the status, like uh, request for it. Like, hey, you know, before you get married, you and your husband need to go get tested, you know, and just let's normalize that. It's, you're not accusing anyone. You're not, you're just saying that this is important for y'all to start your marriage, you know, mm-hmm while knowing your statuses and also knowing that you're in good health. So, Mm -hmm. man, this was supposed to be a short episode, but don't (laughs) you get (laughs) started now, okay? Here we are. One hour in. Types of topics, right? <laughs> I know, <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But oh. we're both passionate about these topics because we know how it affects, especially the women in our communities. Yes. And these are things that are presentable. Like you can actually do something about it. So it's like, right. let's stop being scared. Let's put the fear away and let's tackle these issues and have these conversations because it benefits everybody, the whole community yeah. at large. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, if, if for no other reason, especially for a lot of the moms out there, these diseases can affect your children, your unborn children. They can, you know, be born with like, you know, under, uh, underdeveloped, um, you know, um, neurological, you know, issues, smaller heads, this and that. That's not like things can it take it can affect their growth as fetuses in your body. So think about your children. Go get testings when you're pregnant. Try to get prenatal care. There's a lot of places where women are not getting prenatal care until they're like seven, eight months pregnant, at which time you only have one month to deliver. Whatever the damage is, it's already done to the baby. Yes. As they were growing up. So I think sometimes just educating, because most of this is just lack of education, right? Meaning uh, being ignorant about certain topics. Yeah. So I yeah. think if we educate a community about what are some of the risks at hand, uh, and what are some of the things that could be, um, could, could happen to not just you, but your children, if these things are not treated, you know, once they know that, then they become more, uh, empowered. And I younger, you know, um, Uh, Brothers and sisters that are like just having fun, whatever, dating, doing whatnot, be very mindful, be very careful. Just because somebody looks great on the outer package does not mean they're not a walking disease, right? So let's say, for example, uh, uh, somebody's coming from from Europe on vacation, looking nice, smelling nice. That doesn't mean they don't have anything. So Uh don't just base your. um, Oh, he's clean on just the physical appearance of a person because that will so don't ever feel like oh you know this person looks like they don't have x y and z you don't know that that's never the way to tell if somebody's sick or not i can't say that enough and that's how a lot of the young people get in trouble they look at a person he's nicely dressed he smells good and all of a sudden they just rule that that person does not carry a disease for some reason you know so be mindful about stuff like that. Women, they usually tend to have more uh, of, of of the uh, symptoms. Like you may smell fishy, some discharges that don't smell good, that you just feel a little um, irritated down there. Things are painful, especially during sex. You know, it's a little bit painful than usual. Those are all signs that you may have an infection. So if any of this is something that you see, go and get tested. You know, you don't have to smell like fish forever. You know what I'm saying? I agree. It is a very treatable disease. Seven days of treatment and you are good to go. So I think we should wrap it up, don't you think? Yes, I think. No pun intended. (laughs) But do wrap it up. (laughs) All right, you guys. Thanks for sticking out with that craziness, but we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye, Nafi. Bye.